Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, December the 25th, 2022. It is currently 4.06 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it's Christmas Day. So how did it turn out? How did it turn out? How did your Christmas turn out for you today? Now, some of you may not even be celebrating Christmas till later this evening. Every family has their own tradition, their own way of doing things. Some people like to do it on Christmas Eve. Some people Christmas morning. Some people Christmas afternoon. Some people Christmas uh, Christmas evening. Some people after December the 25th. Whenever you celebrate, however you celebrate, the question is if you celebrated today or if you celebrated yesterday, for, for those specific individuals, how did it go? Did it meet? Now, listen to me carefully. Did it meet every expectation you had? Did, did When it was over, you're like, man, every expe- every single expectation that you had, it, it worked out perfectly. I, I had this expectation. I had this one. I had this one. I had this one. And it worked out perfectly. All of my expectations were met. I am happy. I am content. I am satisfied. It was the greatest thing ever. It was one of the top five Christmases of all time. Or were you like, well... I was I was hoping for this or I was expecting this or or this didn't really work out and this didn't really turn out. Did it meet your expectations? Well, the reason I'm asking that question is obviously just because it's not just because I'm interested in whether it met your expectations or not. I'm asking that question obviously because that's a very important issue for today's episode of the Theology Central podcast. Now, if you were listening, I don't even remember what day it was. I did a a live broadcast where we talked about Jesus. Let's see, what did I call it? What did I call it? Let me look here. I got to look. I don't remember what we called it. I called it uh, Jesus and Wrong Expectations. Jesus and wrong expectations. And that I and I and I really just kind of stumbled upon that. The reason we started talking about that is I was listening to a devotional and they looked at Luke chapter 19, I think verse 32, and then I compared it to Luke 23, 13. And we compared these two passages of scripture. And the devotional was like, well, clearly we understand what these people were doing that had wrong expectations. And what they did is they took the passage where Jesus enters into Jerusalem, right? What's called the triumphant entry. He enters in, right? And everyone is saying, blessed be uh, the the one, the blessed. In fact, let me just look at the scripture. I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to misquote it. We'll go to Luke really quick. Chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I don't want to... uh, paraphrase it. I would like to read it exactly the way it happened. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. All the people were were saying this and praising his name, and it looked like an amazing thing. He's coming into Jerusalem. Everyone's praising his name. It's a wonderful scene, but it doesn't take very long. In fact, you go from chapter 19 to chapter 23, and all of a sudden the people aren't saying You know, uh, again, let me read the exact words. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. No, 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 no. They're not blessing the king. They're saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. No, no, he's not our king. We reject him. 
And you're like, what happened? What what could happen between Luke 19 and Luke 23 to, to what such a startling contrast? And I'm not saying it's every person saying that was the exact same person. I'm saying the contrast is startling. And the devotional that we were listening to made kind of the idea. And they said it just in passing. It wasn't even the main part of their their devotional. They just said it in passing, but it's one of those things that as soon as they said it, I was like, whoa. And I've been preoccupied with that idea. They basically said, well, we know what happened. The people had wrong expectations. They were expecting Jesus to come in as a king, conqueror, to take over, to drive out the Romans, to to establish the kingdom. And instead of going to the governmental headquarters and driving them out. He went to the temple and drove them out. And you're like, well, what, what's happening here? He did not meet their expectations because they had wrong expectations. So I put forth this idea and I, and I challenged you to look at your Christian life and look back at different times in your Christian life where your wrong expectations had, had, serious, serious implications on your Christian, on your Christian life, negative consequences to your Christian life, where you were expecting this, it didn't happen, and you were left confused. And, and were those expectations wrong? Were those expectations wrong? And then what could we do to kind of prevent that from happening in the future? I kind of gave you some basic steps for you to consider. I know it was, you know, Christmas weekend and people had things to do. So probably not too many people thought about it or focused on it, but I couldn't put the idea away. So I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. And well, it's Christmas day. So once again, people have expectations, have expectations. So I want to return to that theme because here's what happened, right? So I I did, I, I kept looking at Luke 19.32 and Luke 23 and just thinking about, you know, when in my Christian life did, see, I expected God to work this way. It didn't happen. I was discouraged and whatever, all the negative consequences. Clearly my expectations were wrong because there was nothing in scripture to give me said that, that, that expectation. So I, that was bad. What can I do to go forward? And I, I just, I kept kind of just processing those steps, working on them, thinking about them. And then I thought that I'd kind of exhausted at least the concept a little bit. I thought, okay, you know, I, I think I, I think I've spent enough time meditating on that, contemplating that. I think I feel I think I feel pretty good about it. So then I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll okay, I'll open up the curriculum for the Bible study exercise just to see how to prepare for this coming week for the Bible study exercise, just to try to give me something else to do. Well, instead of looking at the curriculum specifically for this week's Bible study exercise as we continue to study the subject of fear. I look down, and if you, if you, for those who have access to the curriculum, you know what I'm referring to. You have, for those who have access to the curriculum, you have the Bible studies for life, and that's what we've been currently focusing on, dealing with fear for seven weeks. Right underneath that, you have explore the Bible. Explore the Bible. So I was just kind of going through all the different lessons for Explore the Bible, thinking, do I want to do anything with this? And I clicked on the one that's titled, entitled Session 8, I Am the Bread. And I'm like, that sounds interesting. And I clicked on it. And I know, and I opened up the personal study guide, right? I opened up the personal study guide. Immediately, there, there's a, a picture there, black and white. It looks like uh, someone handing someone a bowl of soup. 
All right. And I'm like, okay, it has the number eight underneath that. It says, I am the bread. And it says, Jesus provides spiritual food that always satisfies. I'm like, okay, I think I know where they're going. Then they talk about Oliver Twist. Okay. I remember that from Oliver Twist. And then this is what it says. It's just a question. It's just a question. What should a person expect from God? And I'm like, oh, well, look at this. I've now spent like hours meditating, walking around, talking to myself about expectations, Jesus and wrong expectations. And then as soon as I think I'm done with that topic, I open up curriculum, not related in any way, shape or form to that topic. As far as I can think, I randomly choose one, right? Because if, if anyone who has access to the curriculum, you know, you've got a lot of choices on, uh, for whichever one you look at. And I just randomly choose one just because I'm like, I am the bread. I pretty much knew where it was going to go. So I kind of had my own expectations of what to expect. I open it up. And the very first question is, what should a person expect from God? And I'm like, well, this is intriguing. There's a theme emerging here. And whenever in my study, I I start kind of I like, I look at one thing and then I kind of see a theme emerging or there's kind of a, like, it's almost like saying, follow that path that I I just have a tendency to go, okay, well, this is the direction we're going. I'm just going to keep following it and see where we end up. Now, sometimes other people find it interesting. Like, oh, you're going that direction. Let me go along. Other people are like, why do you even care? Who cares? So a lot of people may not understand the significance to this, but I am convinced that wrong expectations is absolutely devastating to one's Christian life. It goes from praising God to saying crucify him, not literally, but using that allegorically, using that as an illustration. Obviously, in the Luke passage at that time, the people, there was a dramatic change in their their perception, and it had to go with their wrong expectations. It had to go that they had wrong expectations. We may not scream crucify him, but I think we can become very discouraged, disgruntled, bitter, frustrated, upset, irritated, confused, and it can hurt our Christian life. So here's the question. What should a person expect from God? What are correct expectations? What are wrong expectations? And what are correct expectations? It would be interesting to go to any church and say, grab a piece of paper. What can you, as a Christian, expect from God? And it would be interesting to look at all of this because I bet you some of those would have things written down and you would be like, oh, no, they're expecting God to do that. They think that that's that that's a correct expectation. Ooh, they're going to be very disappointed. They're wait till they discover that's not the way it works itself out. So what can we expect from God? Now, the question already just like I was like, oh, they've got my attention. Now, part of me wants to work through the curriculum. I want to just work through it with you. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to set the curriculum aside. Please note, it's there. And if anyone's listening and you don't have access to the curriculum and you like to participate in our Bible study exercises and have access to the curriculum every single week, all you have to do is email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Say you would like access to the curriculum. I send you a link. You sign up. You send me an email back saying, hey, I registered, I signed up, here's my name, I go in and I make sure all of the curriculum is assigned to your name and you have access to it, it's digital, it's free for you, you don't have to pay a dime, we don't ask you for any money, 
We are grateful for those who help support it. Uh, but for, for if anyone can't or doesn't want to, we don't care because we just want you to have access to it. It's su- simply supposed to supplement a lot of what we do here on the podcast, primarily for the podcast series Bible study exercise. That's what it's supposed to supplement. But at any point, anything from the curriculum could show up anywhere. So it really can supplement a lot of things. Example, right now, okay, right now. So I would love you to go through the curriculum yourself, but I'm going to just kind of borrow from it and do my own thing here, right? A little impromptu work on the text of scripture they provide and ask ourselves, wait a minute, is this another case of wrong expectations. Clearly, when Jesus come riding into Jerusalem, the people had an expectation. Clearly, it didn't go that way. I would argue even many of the disciples had wrong expectations. You could argue that possibly Judas had wrong expectations. I mean, even when Jesus gets ready to ascend, the disciples are still asking, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Like, come on now. Like their expectations was a conquering Messiah to get rid of their enemies and set up the Israel for, set up the kingdom for Israel. And that didn't happen. And they were, and it caused major issues in their minds thinking. And, and you can see that. So I think that this, I think we're on to a very important theme here. So let's look at it. Let's go to John chapter six. If I didn't say John 6, I apologize. I just assume you knew John 6 because the curriculum is called I Am the Bread. So you obviously know you're going to John chapter 6. All right, now, we're going to have to go through this relatively quick for this episode, right? Because I don't want this to turn into five hours. So I'm not going to be able to take this chapter apart, you know, in an exegetical verse-by-verse kind of way. But we'll, we'll walk through it. At least my main purpose is not to answer all of the theological issues that arise in this chapter, because there are many, okay, there are many, but primarily to just look at how these expectations developed, and they have wrong expectations, and when Jesus seems to make it clear he's not going to meet those expectations, the people are like, peace out, right? You Just watch how this takes place. First, John chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. I think that kind of gives us an idea of what's going on here. I think there's, I think we would have to acknowledge that there was a lot of people who saw the miracles, saw the healings, and their expectations is stay near to, stay, stay near to Jesus and, I, and anytime I get sick or have a need of a miracle, he'll be there to perform miracles and to heal me. Their expectation is, hey, since you can heal, since you can cure diseases, do it all the time. I think an expectation is being developed. Jesus went into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company Come unto them, and he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And we see that here's a great multitude, and we know Jesus performs a miracle, and guess what he does? He feeds the miracle, uh, feeds the the people in a miraculous way. Look at uh, John chapter six, verse ten. Jesus said, "Make the men sit down." There were there was there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and a number about five thousand. 
Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. He feeds 5,000, and there's leftovers. A miracle. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you. Right. And our culture, we're like, okay, big deal. He fed a group of people. Who cares? I could go, I could, I could stop by any restaurant and have them cater any big event. I mean, I can pull it off. I just need the money. It's no big deal. Remember, in this kind of culture, food wasn't always, I mean, it wasn't food wasn't always a guarantee. I mean, having someone who can feed the multitude would be considered like you talk about a miraculous thing, you would be like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. This person can heal my sicknesses do miracles and feed me? Now, whether you like it or not, an expectation is going to begin to develop, right? Hey, I follow Jesus. My sickness is healed and I never have to worry about food again. He's going to feed me. He's going to heal me. And he's got miraculous powers. Stay with Jesus. And I get, and again, immediately the expectation would come. What? What would the expectation be? For material things, for material, in other words, physical healing, physical food, you would start looking at Jesus as the means to, in a sense, physical benefits. Is that a better word than saying material? A physical benefit. So the expectation would start literally getting skewed here, right? I mean, you'd be like, well, what's happening? They're, they're like, Jesus will meet my physical needs. Now, after that, the disciples go out and they crossed the sea. They entered into a ship uh, and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And we know Jesus comes walking on the water, right? We know all of that. Then verse 25. Right, but, but once again, he does another miracle. He does another miracle because he's walking on the water. All right. That's a miracle, right? So, but you see Jesus doing, in a sense, these physical miracles, Now, verse 25, when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, where camest thou hither? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Now, you may have some who was following him for the miracles, but then there's others now. They're like, it's not even about the miracles. They're like, we just found a a, a, a daily supply of physical food. We're going to follow Jesus every day and we're going to get to eat. And because even, even when it said he fed the 5,000, he fed everyone until they were filled. So they're like, hey, follow Jesus. And I get, you know, a, an entire meal that I'm completely satisfied. And Jesus even acknowledges that they're following him for the wrong reasons. And then look what he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the son of man shall give you unto you for him, the God, for him hath God, the father sealed. So immediately they're like, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Stop looking for physical food, right? Don't look for that, but for that meat, which endureth unto everlasting life. So immediately he tries to take their minds off the physical and turn it to the spiritual. He's like, no, no, your expectations are all here about the physical. And he tries to move them away from that expectation. And look what happens. They said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? They're trying to figure out, okay, so so what's going on here? And he said unto them, "Uh, this is the work of God, that you believe on him who he hath sent. 
Here's the work you're supposed to do. Believe. Right? There's a lot we could do with that theologically. All right? So they said, therefore, unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in, in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, this is fascinating, right? Jesus has already acknowledged the reason you're here is for food. Jesus tries to get them into kind of a theological, spiritual mindset about believing. And then they're like, well, 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 what, what are you going to do so that we'll believe? And immediately, what do they revert back to? They revert back to food, right? Hey, hey, Jesus is like, hey, you need to focus on belief. You need to focus on believing on me. You need to focus on that, which leads to eternal life. And they're like, okay. That's like they hear it, but they don't hear it. All they're thinking about is how can we use this to get more food? Oh, I know what we'll do. Hey, Moses, remember Moses and the manna? He gave them bread. He gave them bread. Right? So they, they're like, okay, we know, we know what we'll do. We will listen to your theology, but we need a sign. And the sign we want happens to be dun, 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 more food. Okay. They are very earthly minded, very physical, material minded. That's their expectation. What is Jesus saying to them? Verily, verily, I say to you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now, immediately Jesus is like, okay, yeah, you want to talk about bread? Okay, well, it wasn't Moses, it was God. And God has given you the true bread, which is me, and I will give you life. See, he's trying to, again, once again, turn their expectation from physical food to eternal life, to spiritual matters. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. All right, so they're like, okay, give us this bread. I, I still don't think they completely understand. I think they're still thinking physical bread. I think they're still thinking somehow physical bread in some way, shape, or form. Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, immediately we know Jesus doesn't mean that if we have him, we're never going to hunger and thirst again for physical food. So the expectation isn't here about physical satisfaction, That's not what he's referring to here. He's referring to a spiritual satisfaction, a spiritual contentment. He goes on to say, but I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing, but shall rise it, uh, raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son of Man and believe on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Now immediately, he's once again, he's turning this all to spiritual, to eternal life, to salvation. He's used the bread situation to try to get them to say, I'm the bread that will give you life. You need me. Now, immediately what happens? Then the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which comes down from heaven. All right. So they're, they're immediately like, what, what do you mean you're the bread that comes down from heaven? So immediately they're, they're perplexed and confused. And look how fleshly and earthly they get. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know, how is it then that he saith, I come down from heaven? Immediately they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We know, no, 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 no. You didn't come from heaven. 
Mary and Joseph. We know we know how you arrived, right? They obviously don't know anything about the virgin birth or the uh, you know the the uh, the incarnation. Jesus therefore answered and said unto him, "Murmur not among yourselves." And then he begins to go into this whole thing about salvation, eternal life, uh, bread, all of this. All right, and then. And then he says, uh, I am the living bread. Now look at verse 51, John 6, 51. I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Hey, I'm going to give my flesh. I'm going to give my, now, what does he mean by give his flesh? He's going to die physically. He's going to sacrifice his body for them. And immediately, what do we see? Once again, their whole expectation, their whole understanding is so earthly and so fleshly. Look what immediately what they say in verse 52. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And they don't understand. And then Jesus goes on and says those shocking words, verily, 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 I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He immediately goes back to a spiritual concept and they, all they can understand it is in the most physical, literal way. They want physical bread. They want physical life. They want physical provision. They want physical healing. They want physical miracles. And Jesus is trying to turn them to the spiritual. And then look what happens in verse 60. John 6, verse 60. Many, therefore, his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured, he said unto them. And once again, once again, they're murmuring. And Jesus seeks to correct it. And then he says, does this offend you? What, what and if you shall see the son of man ascend where he was before, it is not the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I shall speak unto you, they are spirit and they are of life. They are life. Once again, he's, he's trying, you're focusing on the fleshly. You're, you're seeing this from a, a very materialistic perspective, not the spiritual, right? And then look what he says and look what happens. Verse 66, John 6, 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They, they seem to come to a conclusion. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not here for all of this. We're not here for believe. No, we are here for bread. We are here for you to feed us. We are here for miracles. And Jesus is trying to say, no, 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 you need the spiritual. Their expectations are wrong. And what do they do? They turn and walk away. Now, the curriculum goes through all of this. And when it gets close to the end, they say something. Let's see if I can find it. All right, here we go. The crowds came seeking bread that would not last. What Jesus offered is eternal. See, the crowds were seeking the wrong thing. Their expectations were the wrong expectations. And as a result, they walked away. So in Luke 19 and Luke 23, we see at one hand, Jesus, there's this praise of Jesus. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. There is praise. All right, here's the king. He's going to, Oh, he doesn't do what he said. Crucify him. Crucify him. In John 6, 
People are following him because of miracles. And then he feeds the 5,000, walks on the sea, right? Once he arrives on the other shore, they're like, he, he's like, hey, you're, you're not seeking me for miracles. You're seeking me for bread. You want more bread. That's what you want. You want more bread. And then he then says, well, you're looking for the wrong bread. You're looking for the wrong thing. I am that bread. You need to believe in me. And, by belie- and I'm going to give my flesh, but you need to, to believe in me. And in a sense, by believing in him, you're partaking of that flesh and you will have eternal life. They don't understand. They are confused. They are perplexed. And once they finally kind of realize, okay, he's not going to feed us. He's not going to give us any more food. They walk away. It's a beautiful, powerful picture of many theological truths. But what I want you to focus on is your wrong expectations in your Christian life. Now, sometimes we have those wrong expectations because of the church selling Christianity, promising that it will do this, 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 and this when it actually doesn't do what they say it will do. They give false promises, false pretense. Christians, people buy into it when they become Christians. And then somewhere in their Christian life, they're like, well, wait a minute. This isn't, go- this isn't working the way they said it was going to work. This isn't doing what they said it was going to do. And they become dis- 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 disgruntled, frustrated, disappointed. <laughs> we'll use the phrase of 2022, deconstruct. They, 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 they're going to walk away and, and it, because they just did not understand. Now, the question is, how has that impacted our spiritual life? What can we expect from God? What are accurate biblical expectations from God? And what are not biblical expectations? There are those who their expectations is, you get cancer, you get sick, God guarantees healing. By his stripes were healed. They take that scripture, make it an expectation, and say, it's not if it's God's will, it is God's will, we will be healed. Many believe that. And then when everything goes horribly wrong and either their loved one is not healed, their child is not healed, or they're not being healed, many of them become very, very, very broken and their Christian life falls into shambles because they are, their expectation was wrong. Many are given some kind of expectation that, hey, you struggle with this, you become a Christian, that struggle will go away, you'll no longer have that wrong desire, or that, and it doesn't work that way. Practically, we still remain a sinner, still with a sinful nature, even though there are Christians who teach opposite. You can become very disappointed and go, why didn't this desire go away? Why didn't this struggle go away? Why didn't, because they were never guaranteed for that. In your position, you're you're perfect, you're righteous, you're new, everything is great. In position, in your, I'm sorry, in your position, you're new, everything has changed, everything is different. In your practice, you're still a sinner. And I could go on and on and on where these wrong expectations show up. So I want you once again to think about I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of give you the similar assignments. I want you to look back in your Christian life and realize where where expectations when things did not meet a certain expectation in your Christian life, it had profound negative impact on them. I want you to go back and remember that event, what happened. And then I want you to ask yourself were your expectations wrong? And if they were wrong, 
then just think your wrong expectation caused you all that problem. And then moving forward, how can you avoid wrong expectations? Well, I think we always have to ensure that whatever we expect God to do, are we really understanding that correctly from the scriptures? Are we really understanding it correctly? Because in many cases, what we expect God to do, in many cases, we're ripping verses out of context. We're not even really thinking it through. And then we end up going, well, wait a minute, God didn't do this and God didn't do that. Now, I do think what we should do, I may add this. We do need a list of biblical expectations that are solid, biblical there's no logical problem. There's no, they're, they're, they're really solid. They are applicable to us. I know this. I can have an expectation that nothing, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's a biblical expectation. I know, I know that my salvation is secure and eternal because it's all the work of God. He, he predestines, he calls, he justifies, and he glorifies. So there's a security in my salvation. That's an expectation, right? I think that's good. I, I like I, I there's there's an expectation that all my sins have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. That His blood washed them all away. Like go for those very biblical, solid expectations and cling to those expectations. Expect that. Hope in that. But any other expectations that you write down, you got to be very careful. Because sometimes we come up with these expectations. We think we've got a couple of scriptures. One, in many cases, we're ripping them out of context. Two, sometimes it's a promise not to us. It's to either an individual or it's to Israel. We rip it so far out of its context. But I think in many cases, we, um, what we do is we, we create these expectations based off a mishandling of scripture. We got to go back, handle scripture correctly, and come up with biblical expectations so that when, whenever, look, when everything else falls apart, and we may not, I don't understand why God is doing this. I don't know why God is doing that. I don't understand this. I don't understand. There's, there's usually a million things going on in your life that you don't understand. But I can say, here's my expectation. I do expect and know that God will do the following, that he is doing and will do that based off scripture. But you got to make sure they're correct. These people wanted bread. Their expectation is we've, we've hit the jackpot. We've hit the, we've got a walking bakery. We've got a walking bakery and he can just make bread. We've got a, a walking fish restaurant. He can just give us all the fish we want and all the bread we want. Let's not, that's what we want. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're going after the wrong kind of bread. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And finally they're like, look, I don't know. I'm done with this. This is nonsense. And they walk away. They walk away. So, did Christmas meet your expectations? If you're disappointed, depressed, discouraged, here's the one thing you can know. Jesus, who we remember his incarnation and birth on this day, we're not making any claim that this was the day, but this is the day set aside to remember it. That Jesus, who Mary brought forth, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, the eternal son of God, he came to save us from our sins. And he did that by paying for your sin, dying for you, 
and that his righteousness is imputed to your account. So you can have full expectation that your sins have been forgiven and you have been declared perfectly righteous because of the imputed righteousness of Christ by faith. That never disappoints. That will never change. That's a correct expectation. Email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening to kind of an impromptu Bible study to carry on our thoughts from the other day. Hopefully together, this will give you, I, I, hope, I hope it's as interesting to you as it was to me because I've been just fascinated with the concept and thinking about how, well, I can get rid of the wrong expectations and have the biblical expectations and uh, avoid the damage that wrong expectations can lead to. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.